You are listening to a message from Thrive Community Church, a church located in Southwest Florida. For more info, visit us at thrive-fl.org. All right, again, good morning. It is good to have you all here today as we continue our uh, How Grace Changes Everything as we walk through the book of James. And as John was informing us earlier before, um, this is a very blunt, uh, very practical book. I mean, you can read this um, particular scripture right here, and you don't really get lost in translation. We'd like to maybe change some things, because when we hear some of these things, we're like, oh man, I don't, I don't know about that. And that's, that seems kind of difficult. And uh, so, but it, it can be very challenging. And, and just like John was reminding us last week, uh, um, it's very important that the hearers of this particular letter right here um, totally understood and had the framework and knew about grace, okay? And so it's very important as we are walking through this thing, it's important to know that there is this framework of grace that wraps around this particular scripture right here. And so the, the hearers knew this, they understood this, um, they were going through challenging times, but when they read this letter, they knew exactly what Jesus already done. So that's why we have these different picture frames up here for some decoration, just to kind of remind us uh, what this is all about and what we are learning, okay? Some things that we know about this letter is that it was written between 40 and 50 AD, and uh, during this time, um, the people that were receiving this letter, they were going through a lot of trials and temptations in a culture that really didn't want anything to do with Jesus, kind of like the culture that you live in now. Um, So it can be very relevant as we read this scripture, understand the scripture, and look at this scripture even though this can be pretty challenging at times. So um, I was reminded um, that, uh, well, I was just told, actually, we normally put um, our sermon notes in the Bible app, uh, but apparently it's not showing up. It's probably my bad. So uh, um, luckily you have me preaching today, and I don't really have a lot of notes and a lot of excellent quotes, as John usually provides us with. Um, so, But you can still follow along with us as we go through James chapter 1, and we're going to be working through verses 19 uh, through 26, okay? Or 27. James chapter 1, verse 19 through 27. i got to adjust this mic right here or else. This mic right here, and hopefully... Does that work? All right, I'm going to be holding this mic right here, and hopefully this will uh, work for us today. Um, So forgive us for that. Again, James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27, it says this. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive the meekness of the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseverance, being no hearer who forgets, But a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not brittle his tongue but deceives his heart, the person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, 
to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Let's pray. So, Father, when we hear these words today, uh, it definitely speaks to us. Uh, For me personally, I want to be able to avoid these things because I know that I'm not perfect. Um, I know that um, these, these things that are mentioned, it's just I'm so far from it. And so, Lord, as we, we focus on this text and we realize that um, your grace is sufficient for us, that your, your grace is real and it, it, it points us towards these things, may we follow you in obedience. And so we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So I want to be uh, pretty honest and upfront uh, before we dive into this teaching for today. Uh, when I was told that I was going to be preaching today, um, I, I was in the back of my mind when I'm looking at this text and knowing what we're going to be talking about, I'm just like, man, how can I get John to still keep preaching? Because this is a little bit too difficult for a guy like me, you know? And I'm just like, man, like, like thinking like, are you sure you don't want to preach this Sunday? You know, we, 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 I just had a wedding last night, had a I had a great time and everything with uh, just a lot of different friends. And I was like, I was going to pull the wedding card like, you know, I can't do it because this wedding. But really, really what it comes down to it when I when I read stuff like this, I become nervous because it's like, man, this is so blunt and this is so hard and so difficult. And I don't want to even, you know, teach on this because I, too, am a hypocrite. And so I'm coming to you this morning and say, hi, my name is Phil, and I'm a recovering hypocrite. (laughs) And guess what? It may be the same for you today as well, that you will look people in the eyes, you know, as you leave this place, your husband, your wife, your friends, your, your church family, and say, I too am a hypocrite. And that's what makes this very difficult. This makes it very hard as we're looking at this and we're, you know, we're reading through this book. And John reminded us at the very beginning, it says, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of testings and trials. And that's what's being specifically addressed to these people right here. And this is very difficult, very hard for us to understand. And the thing is, with these testings and trials, you know, there's, there's a point where who we are, but then who God really intended us to be. And as we see, this like gap becomes wider and wider and wider and even more difficult. And it's just like, man, alive. How is a person like myself, I, I'm not even qualified to be able to be up here sharing these words because I, too, am a recovering hypocrite. So it makes it difficult, it makes it hard, but I've also remembered when I was taking classes before and, and some biblical teachings and uh, at seminary and school, it's like you just, you just can't just avoid the text, okay? You just can't skip over the stuff that's, you know, like, ooh, easier to teach on or easier to read, you know? Back in the day when I was, you know, preaching and teaching to uh, uh, middle school or high school students, like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll just bring the, you know, the, the Jesus card, the, the death and resurrection, and, you know, that's, that's easy because we all need that, I need that and everything, and it was great. But yet, we're not going to avoid this today as a church. We're going to look at it, see what it means, also understanding that there's a, a framework of grace that's being wrapped around when we're looking at this text. So you guys all know who Gandhi is, right? And there is a famous quote that Gandhi says and addressed to Christians. He says this, and remember, Gandhi is not Christian, so he says, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. 
And I hear this man, this cute man, say this thing, and knowing that he's done some incredible things and has, has showed the world what peace and justice and love is all about. And, you know, he has nothing to do with Jesus, but he's looking at people like you and I and saying, I don't think you're really practicing what you're preaching. And there's a problem with that right there. And so I hear someone like Gandhi say that. And I'm like, oh, I definitely don't want to be able to think about this stuff. I definitely don't want to be able to teach about this stuff. But yet, you know, this is, this is what we're going to be diving into. And so for today, I have four confessions that I want to walk us through. And again, these are confessions that are on my heart as the recovering hypocrite. And I think you may be able to... Uh, feel the same way as well. So confession number one, and remember with what we've been talking about from the first part of this, this chapter right here, where there is tests and trials, it applies to this particular chapter right here. So confession number one is this, when everything around me shakes and the trial becomes hard, I run to words. And this is what it says in scripture right here. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak. And also in verse 26, it says, if anyone thinks he is religious, and does not brittle his tongue, but, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. We love to be able to justify the things when we are approached on something where we know that we're in the wrong. Again, I say that because I'm the recovering hypocrite. You know, it's, it's easy for me in a situation if someone approaches something and, and I know that I did that person wrong, I'm just scrambling in my head and I'm just like, okay, um, you know, let's, let's, let's look back, you know, what, what can I do to really recover? How can I have some sort of excuse so this person can't be more mad at me? And, and I use my words and I stumble and the person probably knows this, you know, every time. Um, actually, at one point, there's a, uh, here's another confession. When I was in high school, there's like the superlative stuff at the end of the year. And, you know, where they voted uh, people uh, into, like, specific categories. Um, and there were some categories I got voted into, as, which was good. I, was, I got best all around. So I don't know if that was with my shape or anything like that because I was a bigger boy at the time. But um, I also got uh, voted in as the worst liar. Um, so, like, people can tell those things, apparently. I'm like, what do you mean you know? Like, we know. I'm like, okay, that stinks. And, uh, and, and so, again, when, we, when we're trying to justify ourselves, it's again, it's like it's one of those things where the gap of who we are and what God intends us to be, to be becomes wider and wider and wider, and yet the Jesus that we're trying to show becomes lesser and becomes smaller. It's not easy. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19 says this, Sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues. I mean, and that is something very tough for me to swallow right there because, again, I'm a very wordy. I'm trying to get out of the situation, and, you know, hopefully they're going to be able to believe me. And, you know, like, I struggle with that, but believe me, when I have conversations with other people, like, I know too. You probably know when someone's lying to you. You're just like, man, like, they're, they're, they're totally trying to bluff right now. Like, they're totally wrong in the situation, but they're trying to walk out of it. You know, you, you know what that situation looks like. But again, when the trials come, we need to be able to listen, to be able to slow to speak. And so, and this also applies to when someone specifically wrongs us, that, you know, we don't really use our words to bring that person down. 
You know that like that moment when someone posts something maybe on social media or um, um, and they, they make some sort of political statement and everything and you're just like it just causes this rage, this fire and everything. And all you really want to do is just kind of attack them with the words and say, no, you are wrong. You are ignorant. You are whatever comes to the mind, but you're, you're not really going to write that on the, their like reply. But, you know, you're saying it in a way and you're using your words because you're angry, which is going to lead me to my next point. All right. And so when the trials become hard and when, and when the world around me shakes, I run to anger. And so this is what it says in Scripture about anger. Let every person, again, to be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce righteousness of God. But when the trials come and when the tests come, I want to get angry. I really do. Because if someone totally wrongs me, I want to be in their face, tell them that they are wrong, that they hurt me. I am so upset. And then I start saying stuff is just completely ridiculous. And, you know, and it doesn't really help the whole situation. And again, when we start getting angry, when we start feeling like, you know, and you may say, well, you don't know what he has done to me or what she has done to me. You don't know the pain that I've gone through. You don't have the right to be able to say any of these things right here. But again, when this happens, again, the gap of who we are and what God intends us to be becomes bigger and bigger. And the Jesus that we want to be able to show to people becomes smaller becomes very difficult. Um, the most horrible thing about this, and, and maybe you can reflect on this same type of thought too, is like the people that we're angry with the most are the people that we love the most. Like, I can be pretty awful to my wife. Again, I'm a recovering hypocrite, all right? Let, uh, I'm, I'm saying these things, and I know I, I can be awful to my family, to the people that I love the most. And, and, and in that anger and in that frustration, you know, I want to I give it to them. I want them to know how much they wronged me, how, how awful the things that they did, you know, like it hurts so much. But yet those are the people, for some reason, we take it on the most. You know, I, I, again, I hear so many times from people like that were hurt by the church or hurt by someone that was uh, in their church community. And they said, wow, like, uh, I'm not going back to that church because they're super hypocritical. Um, what they said to me really hurt. And I'm, I'm really angry about all this stuff and everything. And, so, and it's just like, yeah, this is the church. We're a bunch of hypocrites that are sitting here right now that need the love of Jesus. Okay? So, again, we run to our anger when tests and trials come. And here's my third confession right here. When everything around me begins to shake, and the trials become hard. I run to filth. Listen, this is what Scripture says for this point right here. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save souls. So when life gets hard, and the trials come, and in these moments where we're very insecure, we begin to run to filthiness. And what I mean by that is, you know, you know those people that you say 
that are not really your friends, but yet like when, when the struggles and become real and everything, those are the people that you call, even though they're not like on your speed dial. You know, it's like, man, like I take great comfort in these moments to be able to hang out with these people because, well, they're far, far worse than I am. And so like it's, it, it, it only brings me comfort. It only brings me, you know, just like a, a, just that, you know, life's not so bad after all. I'm not so horrible because of it. And see, those are the people that we call every third Friday, you know, and just say, all right, we, we whatever it is, we, we run to that filthiness. We run to it. It's, it's something that's easy. It's something that is um, just what we do when we, we're, we're in these trials and temptations. Okay, so I, I get the privilege to be able to do college campus ministry with uh, a Church supporting me as we have many college students that have been and young adults that have been involved with Thrive at FGCU. And uh, through that, I just I get a lot of opportunities to have a lot of different coffee conversations, um, especially with a lot of men at the campus. I, I focus on a lot of dudes. Um, I hang out with them. I probably pick on them too much, um, and they probably don't like me for that and everything. But I, I also believe that if uh, um, 85% of the, the world's problems would be diminished if us men would act more like men, you know? I really do believe that. And so, uh, but I, I had the opportunity to be able to have conversations with them. And uh, a lot of times what comes up is I hear a lot of uh, sexual addictions that are going on. Um, it, it's just a time where the, you know, they're real with me and they'll share these things and just say, hey, these are, these are the things that I'm struggling with. These are, these are the hardships and like I just can't seem to break this and everything. Um, did you know that the biggest, the biggest thing that leads to a lot of these sexual addictions for men is stress? Did you know that? And um, actually... Um, this generation, the, you guys, the, the college, the young adult generation, in which I'm a part of your generation too. Yes, I know I'm bald, but I am 29 and still young. And uh, um, our generation is known to be the most stressed generation. And so it is very easy to be able to, in these certain situations, when the trials and the temptations come, we can run to filth whether that's the people that we associate ourselves with or maybe the addictions that we associate ourselves with. And yes, I know that I'm talking to you dudes right now, all right? And, I don't, and again, like, I don't mean to pick on you guys too much, but ladies, all right, there's, there's other things and other filth that you fall into too. You know, that 50 shades kind of gray kind of thing, all right? where you know, the mind wanders and there's, there's, you, there's hoping that there's a, a different reality, a different fantasy that's so different than the present reality that you're living in right now. And so you allow that to happen. You allow your mind to wander. And yet, even us, even the ladies right here, we, we run to filth, all of us. Why? Because we're recovering hypocrites. Again, and, that's, and I'm able to say that because I know that I am one as well. So when the trials and temptations get tough, we run to filth. My last point, confession number four, all right? Confession, confession number four, when everything around me shakes and the trial becomes hard, I run to empty religion. And what I mean by that 
is when things go bad and when things go sour, automatically in my mind, and yes, I'm saying this right now as a recovering hypocrite, I'm thinking maybe I just didn't read my Bible enough, you know? I just haven't been praying enough. You know, if, if this, this wouldn't happen if I would do these certain things, and if I were able to do these things, you know, like, then everything would be fine. But, you know, here's what's wrong about that. That's where we are putting ourselves and putting ourselves in control of everything, allowing the God who is in control of all things to take away those, those worries and, and, and those, those fears and, and that type of feeling. If you remember last week, all right, and if you, if you were with us, at the very beginning of the chapter, uh, John said this, count it, well, John didn't say this, the book of James said this, but John read this, okay? Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. You know what's really cool about that? Is, you know, we've been talking about, like, how this is very difficult, but yet we have a Jesus that takes on all these, um, these things already for us, and so, like, there's, there's really no trials or, or, or anything when we are living in faith in the name of Jesus. And so, and because of that, we should be joyful. Even though there is hardships, like, Jesus is taking care of everything. And we need to be able to be reminded of that. Okay? We need to be able to know that. So, again, I, I run to this empty religion. I run to something that, um, you know, I'm just like, well, maybe if I'm, maybe if I'm in control, you know, if I do these things more, everything's going to work out better for me. We have that guilt. I have that conversation with so many people. And so many of you today, if you're listening to this, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, I agree. Amen. I agree with everything that's being said. And you're probably like, well, get them, Phil. You know, they, they need to know more about their anger, you know, because if, if they're less angry, they're going to be able to point people to Jesus. They need to, they need to know about if, they're, if they're, they're talking too much, if they're trying to justify all their actions. You get them, man. Or that filth, that pornography that, they, that they're in, whatever that sin, whatever that addiction may be, you get them. But if that is you, you are that person right here that is running to empty religion, that is trusting more on the works rather than the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's tough. I know this because I, too, am a recovering hypocrite. It's difficult, okay? So there it is, four confessions. Now, you may say right now, okay, once I'm done, I'm going to go cry myself on my pillow and eat lots of pizza because this is, you know, like this is a little bit too much today, all right? And, and this is where the point where we remind ourselves, we remind the people that we're witnessing to, we're reminded as we look in Scripture that we have a Jesus that does give us gospel, that does give us truth. All right, and so what it says, um, if we go to verse 22, all right, it says this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like, all right? So I don't know if you've noticed this, but I'm bald. Shocker, right? All right. Uh, if you just figured this out now, um, surprise. And uh, this is me, you know. I, I, um, and uh, the, the, 
everyone always asks you this, and it's totally fine if you keep asking me this. They're like, okay, well, how do you shave your head? Like, how often do you do it and everything? Well, I shave it probably about every three days, you know, because if I let it grow long enough, I'm going to get this, like, hair that's growing, like, wickedly long. And Hunter's like, you should totally do that. And I'm like, no. Um, I want my wife to love me, okay? <laughs> Amen, brother. Okay. Um, and, and so, but the thing is, like, a lot of times I'm sitting there in front of the mirror, and I'm trying to, like, shave all the hair off my head and everything, and, and quite honestly, like, um, I, I, like, there's some spots that I just totally miss. So sometimes you'll, you'll be, like, looking at me, and then you see, like, this patch, patch of hair just sticking out, like, dude, and it's okay, you can say this to me, all right? Um, like, you missed a spot. I'm like, shoot. <laughs> and, but, when we're looking at this passage right here, we're not talking about things like that, you know, like where you look in the mirror and you forget about things like that. Those are silly things. What it's talking about in this passage right here is that the person that's looking in the mirror, you know, he's like looking intently, looking into the mirror and then basically goes away and forget what he even looks like. Okay? We're not talking about silly things. Like sometimes you do forget things. Like I forget my keys a lot. Where did I put them? Kyrie, where did I put them? Okay, they're over there. And John knows the same thing. And he's like, are you kidding me? You know, like, all right, we're not talking about silly things like that. We're talking about looking into the mirror, knowing exactly what it's like, and then completely forgetting about what this is, what the scripture is saying right here. See, when the early readers were hearing this particular message, all right, they actually had some mirrors, but it was very rare to be able to look at themselves in the mirror. So they didn't get like all this time to be able to get ready in the bathroom like we do, um, or you know, pull out the phone and make sure you know on the camera that you know you look all right and everything. They didn't have that. But if they did have the chance to be able to look at themselves in the mirror, they would look very closely, and they would look to make sure you know everything looked right. And and so there there was something that was being said when James was saying this to the people right here to be able to look closely and not be able to turn the other way. But then again, when I'm looking at this too, and, and as we understand this whole particular um, scripture, that we, we remember that grace is the framework, right? And when we're looking at grace as the framework and we're looking ourselves in the mirror, not, not only should we look at ourselves closely, that are we doing all the right things, but we need to be able to look at ourselves and say, I'm a child of God. I, I'm loved by the Savior. In him, he is my identity. And because of him, he gives me grace. And when I look at myself as a child of God and realize that grace, that grace is sufficient for me, that this grace thing is real, that's the reason why I respond and do the things that I do. That's the reason why I understand that the trials and the temptations, they're going to be very difficult and they're going to be very hard. But I'm a child of God, and as a child of God, I get to be able to be a part of the king's work. I'm able to look at myself and see that I'm worthy, that I'm righteous, that I've been made clean. And because of that, and because of also that repentance, too, because of the fact that we can admit that we are recovering hypocrites, we can actually, too, walk the other way in the glory of God, knowing that we are made new and righteous in him. So I told you that there was four confessions, right? I lied. There's a fifth one. 
And the fifth confession is this. When everything around me shakes and the trial becomes hard, I run to Jesus. I run to Jesus. Yes, I know at that time, I'm not always showing people what Jesus Christ always looks like. And that's where the recovering hypocrite comes into place. And that's why I run to him. And I lay my burdens, my struggles, my pains to the cross. I run to Jesus because that is the framework for everything. That's how, why grace changes everything. We've been uh, sharing with you um, as a church that we're really excited for us as a church to take the next step. There's been a lot of steps, hasn't there been? There's, it's been a long but fun journey, okay? And there's, honestly, there's been times where John and I are like, are we going to make it? <laughs> you know, like, what, you know what, what, what is God doing with all this and everything? But yet, like, he continues to show us a way, and he continues to point us a way. And, you know, like, right now, we're obviously sitting in this new place, and it's been a couple months now. And, and now, you know, we're, we're doing we're doing some things to be able to connect with the community where, you know, it, it's just been amazing. And, and you all have been just an amazing part of this family. All right. And then we've even shared with you that uh, we're going to be doing a new discipleship thing called home huddles coming up. And again, these are the kind of things that we as a church want to be a part of things like this, because why? We can look ourselves in a circle and say, hi, my name is so-and-so, and I am a recovering hypocrite, too, because that is what the church is all about. Church is all about, you know, um, to be able to lay the burdens, but also to be able to share with your brothers and sisters in Christ that in the name of Jesus, you are forgiven and you are made new, and that is your identity, and we can walk in that. So again, my hope is that you don't really go home and binge eat and eat a lot of pizza and just like, man, I got to really work at this because, no, we, had a, we have a Savior that's made us clean. So when the trial, when everything around me shakes and the trial becomes hard, let's run to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Father, um, it is so difficult at times to be able to read your words um you know they, they just kind of they're there you know and they're very real and they speak to us and we just can't like hide from these things but we realize like there there are things that are going to be happening in our lives and whether we like it or not these these are going to be trials and temptations we realize that there are people in this community and then in this world that don't know your love and it's very unpopular to be able to um confess and profess your name and lord and and, and some of the and, and then then we just feel like we can't even figure it out and that's where we just want to run and hide father thank you for your grace thank you for your love um we come before you with repentant hearts uh, we come before you knowing that we need you and we're just running after you jesus um and so we're, we're thankful for that love we're thankful for that mercy and that grace thank you so much and